on the fifth day of Downton. My true love gave to me. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that can't do sums. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. That's manners. That's true. <laughs> and it is a miracle that we found any memorable quotes from this 1998 abomination, <laughs> Alice Through the Looking Glass. Right. If you have not watched it, don't. Right. Because Just according don't. To, because according to IMDb, there are no memorable quotes. They are basically correct. Yeah. There's certainly no memorable quotes that aren't in some other better adaptation of a Lewis Carroll story. Or beyond adaptation, just the original Lewis Carroll story. Yeah. Which is really, this is what I'll say. It's so literary. It's so written to be read. Yes. And this is, this is what I'll say. Comparing this to Cinderella, which is our current, you know, leader in the clubhouse of least favorite adaptation. And what I'll say is Cinderella failed where it could have su- succeeded. Alice Through the Looking Glass failed because it set itself an impossible task. Which was? Which was to do a faithful, extremely faithful adaptation of the book, Alice Through the Looking Glass, which cannot be done. It's basically a fever dream. Yeah. And it, there's no, even compared to the original Alice in Wonderland, there's no conflict. There's no driving plot line. It's just a series of excuses for wordplay and poems. Well, and even Alice in Wonderland, the Disney film, yanked a bunch of stuff from Through the Looking Glass. Right. Because neither Certainly. one of them is super compelling on their own. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, perhaps... In Victorian England, if you're a small girl who is weirdly being courted by, like, a 37-year-old man, yeah, uh, you know... All bets are a- off. Apparently. Yeah, sure. But this was... Again, I felt I felt less rancor towards this than Cinderella. I did, too, because they clearly barely had any resources. Like, right. to me, what this right. felt like was the day shooting was meant to begin. <laughs> the entire, like, executive producing team and the director and the director of photography all woke up from a very deep sleep and were like, oh, crap. We totally spaced on that Alice in Wonderland movie. And they're like, it's Alice through the looking glass. Ah! And they're like no that one's even less interesting we forgot to write a script <laughs> <laughs> that, that literally the novel was their shooting script it was and yeah. it just like what and the only changes they made were dumb which is to the character of alice yes at the beginning and end yeah so, so anyway let, yeah, well let's what we just, have this is our fifth oh right oh right yes this is our fifth 12 days of downton podcast right so I think we're going with five pointless things, four, four browns of browns of bearing. Yeah, you're right. Okay, let's try this again. Four, four browns of bearing, three witches witching, two dummies dumbing, and McGovern being McGee. All right. Yeah. So we might have it well done by the 12th one. It's it's entirely possible. We might get it together. If not necessarily probable, but it could happen. It might. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's go just dive right yeah, in. Yeah, we're not going to belabor any of these ridiculous points. Right. Uh, so we open up with the credits and shots of toys and uh, a computer chess game, which was uh, presumably state-of-the-art at what the time. What is this? The end of Labyrinth? <laughs> at the beginning of this movie? Man, this is... I would have so much rather watched Labyrinth. This is 
Labyrinth is the adaptation of Alice Through the Looking Glass that this should have been. Like, Alice is the adaptation of Alice Through the Looking Glass that we deserved. Right. Agreed. In any case, so uh, this daughter is hanging out in bed and a mom gets in bed to read to her and keeps like dozing off. And uh, but then the, it's they're reading. They're reading, oddly enough, Alice Through the Looking Glass. Which is... Well, you know, when I was a kid, I would only read books with my name in it, in the title, <laughs> which meant that we basically read no books. Right, except this is the mother's name. Um, maybe? Maybe, maybe they're both named Look, Alice. the whole we thing never... takes place in a dream, and we never understand what is real. That is absolutely correct. So anyway, the daughter is like, oh, it's like, there's this other room through the looking glass if you look at it. And, well, first of all, she's like, uh, what's a looking glass? And the mom's like, oh, it's a mirror, you dumb kid. What have I been teaching you? Uh, possibly nothing she seems like maybe she's a single mom like with a job or she something. does she seems very young to be a mother of this yeah. old of a child uh but she's like no look in the mirror and then if you just believe then you'll see a whole different room on the other side and she's like oh yeah so i'm i'm gonna go through well but first she says oh i don't want to look at myself right now and i'm like pipe down kate beckinsdale yeah i'm sorry you look slightly less physically perfect than you'd like yeah like 99.5 percent of people throughout human history would love to see kate beckinsale when they look at themselves in a mirror i would love to see kate beckinsdale at her worst yeah when i look in the mirror agreed like coming out of surgery i would take it Uh, so she goes in and she enters the the other room that's through the looking glass, which thankfully does not have the daughter in it because the daughter was really kind of annoying. She was, yeah. I was yeah. like, uh, like, are you gonna be? Are you gonna be like the Toto of this? <laughs> which is like a disservice to Toto. That's true because Toto's pretty great. He was adorable. Yeah, I assume Toto's a he. I don't know if that's. Canonical. I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah. I feel like he's referred to as a he. I think you're as right. As somebody who was in a very, like, not authorized production of The Wizard of Oz that was basically ripped off from the movie by our English teacher. I was also, which, like, even less so, it was more kind of improvised in a summer youth theater camp. Mm-hmm. But we all got to root through the costume room and pick out our, our costumes. So that was the fun part. Well, I'm glad we all had this time. I think I was the wizard. Anyway. Uh, so what is there is some living chess pieces, a white king and queen. The white king is once again, uh, what's his name his from? His name is Jeffrey something. Yeah. But it's Julian or Alistair. <laughs> right. <laughs> as time goes by. Which I certainly meant to look up and didn't. Uh, but the guy from As Time Goes By. And then the queen is our very own Penelope Wilton. AKA Isabel Crawley. That's AKA right. one half of Murderbell. <laughs> that is right. Uh, and they are alive. Alice picks them up to go to their baby, which I guess is a pawn. Why was the baby left up there? And they were, I'm very confused it's as to how that baby got there. Very unclear. But, uh, spoiler alert, Alice through the looking glass, the book and the movie, not super interested in explaining anything. Agreed. Which, I would count as a positive. Yeah. If you had an adaptation of Alice in Wonderland that was like a gritty reboot, which I'm pretty sure I suspect you're right. It might be called Malice in Wonderland, <laughs> well, which I, came up when I, I was trying. I thought yeah. this was an Alice in Wonderland, having forgotten that it was Alice Through the Looking Glass. Right. Anyway. Also, in case anybody was wondering, yes, they are doing a Through the Looking Glass with the whole Johnny Depp nightmare scenario. I know. Yeah. I didn't know that was happening. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. <sighs> 
I don't know when or where, or even if it's really going to happen. It may be one of those things where they just said like it they was announce going- it and then yeah. they're like, Ugh. yeah. So who knows? Mia Wasikowska but- seems like she's like really like digging into this art house thing. <laughs> so yeah, so that may be happening. And honestly, I'd like to say it's definitely going to be better than this, but I'm not certain. No. Yeah. It's impossible to say. Right. Certainly better production values. Yeah. Anyway, Alice takes this time to read a few lines from The Jabberwocky, which is in a book that she is holding. Well, she was holding the Through the Looking Glass book when she went through the Looking Glass. Right. So I guess she's still reading it or something? Yeah. And she now has access to all of the poems that make up much of, like, you know, like people complain about Tolkien and they have a point about having all these random poems and songs in it. But Through the Looking Glass has just as many. And this adaptation is making sure that we get all of the poems yeah it's not cool yeah friends don't let friends be subjected to this much poetry in a (laughs) 90 minute sitting that's right so she's like oh well if i if i linger any longer then i'll have to head back before i've explored this whole world the Um, description was like oh it's a fun whimsical world and i was like and maybe i'm just too heavily influenced by the disney adaptation right everything about alice in wonderland has always struck me as horrifying right and and it is not they, played that well, way in this she seems perfectly cromulent except there are these moments here or there where they attempt to play up the scariness of it yeah but then just completely drop it and it's anyway we'll keep going well has she started to try to cry yet no that's coming up okay I'm pretty sure hang on i've got a real rip snorter <laughs> burn on kate beckinsdale for that that's exciting uh so anyway she's like oh i'll go see the garden and she looks at the garden and she's like oh that's amazing and the score seems to agree and it doesn't seem that great yeah this score is like the one thing they did in advance yeah they were like all right here's the, like just write a score yeah make sure it's this long then we'll write the script that's right and, and it's find got the all locations. these powerful moments in it and everything like that yeah and it's in no way reflects anything happening on screen right uh so she uh first of all flies for like 10 seconds and then it can never fly through the rest of this uh fantasy which is weird because then she's like oh i bet if i could see get to the top of that hill then i could really see this garden oh here's the path and i'm like why don't you just fly to the top of that hill using the power that you had up until 0.5 seconds they used up all their flying budget apparently so uh she then talks to some very arrogant flowers which I actually, this is probably one of my favorite parts. Yeah, in it. I, liked, I agree because there was a random other lady there. Yeah. And I was like, what's up with her? Like, yeah. I would have much rather seen her story through the looking glass. Like, did she get stuck there? Yeah. And it can't be. I was like, it, she looked a lot like Cassie from Skins slash Gilly from uh, Game of Thrones. Ah. Not to be confused with Gilly <laughs> right. That's from a, Downton Abbey. A whole different Gilly. But this, the timing would not in any way work no, out. No, it them, wouldn't have. As it occurs to me now. Yeah. And I also like the fact that the tiger lily flower reminded me uh, a lot of a friend of ours that doesn't mean anything to our podcast, Evangeline from Kelly's sure. uh, comedy troupe. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> um, anyway, the flowers are super mean. Uh, then, so Alice keeps walking and she is startled by the Red Queen who shows up from a variety of different angles at once. That actress was married to Peter O'Toole. Oh, okay. Until Peter O'Toole died. Well, that would put an end to it, I suppose. It sure would. Yeah. And she was in Valmont. She played Valmont's mm, 
grandmother, I think. Okay, okay. That seems right. I mean, she seemed like somebody that was somebody. She's definitely been around. She's just, you know, because of her, her trademark is like severe facial features. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that's pretty mean IMDb, but mm. I mean, it's true as well. It is true. And it, you know, works more or less for the part of the Red Queen. I didn't like their take on her. No. Well, she had, she was very like, like she had like sort of snake things going on at times. Well, but I just hated how quickly she delivers all the lines in this scene. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just like, are you just doing a speed read? And I mean, honestly, maybe their first choice fell through and they were like, well, Peter O'Toole's wife owes us a favor. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, all right, but I'm getting out of here as quickly as humanly possible. Yeah. And that was, and again, this is my caveat to all our criticisms is that they set themselves an impossible task. So. But, you know, because she, it, it feels like nobody was allowed to bring their own thing yeah. to any of the roles. Well, just, it doesn't feel like anybody made any choices whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, with, with maybe one exception that I'll get to towards the end. Um, so anyway, they get to the top of the hill and Alice is like, oh, it's just like a chessboard covering the whole world. How I wish I could be one of the players. And I'm like, Really? Like, it's good to be playing chess when you control all the pieces, but when you're one of the pieces, that doesn't seem, like, so exciting and fun. Yeah, that's like an existential nightmare. It Right, it kind of is. Also, way to steal that, J.K. Rowling. Well, yeah. Uh, that's a whole other story. So anyway... It's called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, <laughs> a.k.a. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. If you can't handle Philosopher's Stones, America... They can't. They, oh, They've made it pretty clear. Yeah. They were like, yeah, we like that you made that choice. Yeah. So anyway, the Red Queen's like, uh, yeah, that's fine. You can be one of the pawns. And once you get to the end, you'll be queen. And that's the thing about it. There's no conflict. It's just like, you're going to get to the end and be queen. Yeah. And as somebody who plays way more online chess than is strictly <laughs> healthy, that isn't how it works. Like, she should be attacked more. Yeah, she should be by, attacked By, like, more. competent other pieces. Right. She's attacked basically once in the whole thing. And it doesn't take very, it doesn't last long. Uh, so Alice says that she's thirsty. The queen gives her a biscuit for her thirst. Maybe it was a water biscuit. It wasn't. (laughs) It does not help her thirst at all. And she describes the squares that she's going to have to pass through before being queen. And then uh, disappears. So Alice gets on a train. This represents the fact that pawns can move two squares at once at the beginning. The train is fairly trippy. and And that's the thing. Like they do a lot of like, you know, trippy stuff. And it's like they don't. They don't commit to it. They don't commit to it. It's not like they completely bungle it. Like, it is trippy. It's just like the C- minus of adaptations of Lewis Carroll stories. Yeah. So there's, like, all, like, disembodied voices and talking animals. Like, I was in a summer theater camp, like, recital where we just did the Jabberwocky, and, like, that was great. (laughs) Right. Uh, and, you know, she doesn't have a ticket, and she's like, well, I just want to get off, and it all ends. Like, this, again, that's the issue. There's no conflict. Like, she just advances from square to square just because she's going to. So it's, that's what's frustrating about it. And it was like Cinderella in that. Where yeah. it was like, you're clearly just trying to get from plot point to plot point. Right. Until you can all go home. Yeah. Uh, so she gets to her fourth square, and she talks to a gnat slash human, uh, who is Steve Coogan. A very young Steve Coogan. A very young Steve Coogan. I didn't even realize it was him. And he, I... I, I somehow knew it was him, and I forget why. Mm-hmm. And he, he's one of, I mean, I would say a number of characters who I would say I enjoyed their, like, 
you know, delivery and persona mm-hmm. insofar as the script gave it to them, you know. Yeah. Like, I liked what he was doing. It just, it just didn't serve anything. Well, and too, like, this is such a triptych of a movie. You know, he's only got that scene. Right. So right. it's like you don't develop relationships with anybody. Right. And when your guide to this world is, you know, void of any kind of human emotions. Yeah. Uh, as Kate Beckinsdale is. Yeah. And like this is super young, super terrible Kate Beckinsdale. Yeah. Like you and wish this was Kate Beckinsdale in Pearl Harbor. I know. And it's she... I mean, she's playing a young mother who is playing a dreaming seven and a half year old. Like, I mean, I don't know what she could have done, but this wasn't it. No. And she just, she's, she is the passive void at the center well, of this movie. The literal entire point of Alice in Wonderland is that it's a child doing all of this. Right, right. So why did they make this change that just, it just undercuts the movie from the beginning? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so Steve Coogan describes various insects like the snap dragonfly, which is about playing snap, which we did mention at some point Exploding in Downton. snap. Yeah. Uh, and the bread and butterfly and things like that, which are clever jokes to pass over as you're reading a book, but boring as a movie. Boring uh, and dialogue. Yeah. I like the bread and butterfly, again, in the cartoon version. Yeah. And, and then, again, this is one of the moments... This is yeah. This is the difference between Cinderella, where there's all these little tiny moments that I'm like, okay, there was something there. Where he is constantly, and he was doing this in the train too. We didn't realize it was him wanting her to make puns, and she doesn't. And then he does at one point in this, and she doesn't laugh at it at all. And he's like, yeah, that was a joke. I wish you would have made it. Uh huh. And it's just like there's this sort of weird pathos of this Nat slash human slash Steve Coogan. Well, but the other thing too is that the Disney version and most versions mm-hmm. have a sin, uh, sorry, not a Cinderella, have an Alice who is frustrated with the logic yeah. or lack thereof. That's exactly right. And this person is just letting it wash over her. Yeah. And I'm like, that is for hippies watching this. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. it is not for you to be washed over. You have to be an active participant. She's never driving Either towards it, anything. No, she, and I mean, just because there's not something driving you through the script doesn't mean you can't be driving something scene to scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no sense of urgency that she wants to become a queen. Right. right. Even she though just that is, like, is apparently the whole point. Yeah, but she's just like, oh, that would be nice. I mean, I'm pretty sure she literally says that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not enough to motivate you through this, what should be a trippy, dare I say, wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, yeah, she, she... Yeah. So anyway, she moves on to the next square, which is the nameless wood, the, the, the wood where things don't have names. Uh, and then she reads more of the Jabberwock, and there's like this scary like POV of the Jabberwock for a moment for no reason. Uh, and then she sees signs towards Tweedledee and Tweedledum. It's like... Vorpal blade go snicker snack mm-hmm. or get out of town, man. <laughs> I don't have time for this. That's right. Uh, so she meets up with the Tweedles who are weird. I hate the Tweedles. Mm-hmm. I'm going to express this opinion. Sure. I never liked them. Mm-hmm. I hated them here. Yeah. Yeah. They were so bad. Right. Uh, what I'll say is just for reference, Tweedle D is a, the gentleman with the thistle down hair in the adaptation of, 
Jonathan Strange well, and Mr. Norrell. I thinking that I recognized from something and it wasn't anything. Yeah, that because I, I thought the same you had thing. Seen that, I thought the same thing, and I did recognize him from that. He looks a bit like I the also, guy on the Catherine Tate show. And he also, due to his uh, makeup job, looks a little bit like Malcolm McDowell and Clockwork Orange. That was the clear reference, here. right? Clearly, uh, and he also, uh, for future reference in our Twelve Days of Downton, is the main villain in the Hogfather. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, hopefully a better movie. Hopefully, uh, it'll. I've watched. About half of it, it will be better. You okay. Know, it won't be great, necessarily. Anyway, uh, so they, you know, so they, and this is the first of what I did not realize at the time would be about five of just reciting a poem from the book with grainy film footage attempting to act Yeah, it they out. were like, what if it was like a rock and roll walrus and the carpenter right and i'm like because there's this like kind of rockabilly guitar going it reminded on me it. of uh brothers of the head actually mm, mm-hmm. um except awful right well because they do a weird makeup thing with the walrus that doesn't work yeah i did like the puppet work on the oysters mm, okay. that was actually perhaps my favorite part of this movie right and that's and that's to me what's frustrating about it is that there's like these little i don't even want to say flashes because that's overstating it but there's these moments of people yeah of trying to transcend what they've been giving you can see that there's some real artistry behind this thing it just wasn't allowed to ever cohese into anything greater than the sum of its parts right there was no that's there was no overarching vision that's the issue so that happens. The Walrus and the Carpenter. Maybe the director just never showed up. <laughs> Maybe and that's they it. all were just like, well, <laughs> let's just try. Yeah. Uh, so they hear what sounds like a scary animal, but it's just the Red King snoring. And they discuss whether Alice is in his dream and what that would mean existentially. Uh, and they find a rattle and, oh, this means it. Oh, and and this also happens several times. Alice I'm making a horrible face. Yes. Alice looking at a suddenly present reflection of Alice and reciting some poetry to herself to establish what's going on. Because there's some poem about Tweedledum and Tweedledee battling over a rattle or whatever. Uh, And so they do, they try to have some comic things about that. Um, but the rattle doesn't look like a rattle. Well, that's, so I don't really have time for this. Yeah, that's like a very old school rattle. I'm sorry, it's you know that's a fact. But I hated <laughs> that rattle. <laughs> Kelly's least favorite rattle. I don't know why I gentlemen. just turned into Fraser Crane there. <laughs> Seattle, I hated that. Rattle. <laughs> I'm listening. But I just not rhymed to that rattle. Seattle with rattle. <laughs> Oh, well done. Take that, Lewis Carroll. Well done, Fraser. <laughs> Thank you, Niles. <laughs> We're making this episode very accessible to any younger listeners. <laughs> we certainly are. That's our aim, and we're succeeding. <laughs> I haven't sworn once. That's right. So the next square, Alice is in some house, and the White Queen shows up. Our, this is where Isabel uh, comes to shine. She's having problems with a shawl, and she's having various... Sh- I would say more flicker on and off intermittently. <laughs> right. I said she came to shine. I didn't say su- she succeeded at shining. I did appreciate here, because Alice is like, oh, you need a lady's maid. Yeah. And Penelope Walton is like, oh, yeah, hop two. I'll pay you in jam. <laughs> right. And then Alice is like, I don't like jam. And I'm like, what is the matter with you? Yeah, does not compute. Yeah. Everybody likes jam. Like, maybe you only like a certain kind of jam, but that's your jam. Yeah. 
the Great Brain's youngest brother in the young adult series The Great Brain got in trouble for his sincere desire for jam. And this stuck with me clearly. In Gosford Park, years. all those people were trying to eat jam. Yeah. All the time. Jam is delicious. They were like worried that jam was gone. And if anybody thinks that jam is not delicious, we will fight them. Yes. That's oh, right. yeah. <laughs> and then cover them in delicious jam. <laughs> I would hate to waste the jam. That's true. We'll, we'll figure something out. At any rate, Alice, you're awful. Right. Like, you are boring and also you hate jam. Like, there go all of your possible redeeming qualities. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we learned that the White Queen can remember both the future and the past, uh, and that many people can, and that the King's messenger is in prison for a crime he has not yet committed. It's a very minority report situation. <laughs> this interested me and then is never referred to again. It's like Lewis Carroll had like 77 different ideas for a science fiction novel <laughs> and then just put those ideas into one book. Right. Well, I mean, really what it is, I it's about... I guess a fantasy novel. It's, it is all... He, much like Mr. A to Z, is all about the wordplay. Huh. And so it's like things where Alice is like, oh, I see nobody. And it's like, oh, it's hard to see nobody. And all little things like that, which as wordplay is pleasant enough, but there's nothing to film there. You need more than pleasant in a movie. Right, right. Uh, then there's another of these periodic, oh, it's dark and scary moments, and then she ends up in this shop that is run by Isabel again, who is maybe still the White Queen, but maybe not, and she is like, oh, what do you want, Alice? And Alice is like, oh, I would like an egg, because that makes sense for her to request that. Nobody likes eggs. People like jam, not <laughs> eggs. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I like eggs, but if I were given the chance between being a lady's maid for jam... Or getting an egg in a shop, I would definitely choose jam. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the egg turns into, as you might expect, Humpty Dumpty. Ugh. Who, and again, Alice reads the poem to herself in a mirror and says that all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty in his place again, as opposed to together again. And I was like, where, where's that revision coming from? It might just be from? the British version. Maybe so, but I looked it up on Wikipedia and that does not, that does not appear to be attested. Uh, they couldn't get the rights <laughs> for something in public domain? <laughs> sure. Uh, Humpty Dumpty is very confident in his precarious position because the king will put him together, he claims, uh, has various things to say. Again, various wordplay things. And, uh, and then, uh, Alice bounces. Did she cry yet? Yeah, this is where, this is where she first, uh, like, cries yeah so they're like oh you know your tears what if your tears aren't real tears then you're not real and i'm like she's clearly not real like kate beckinsale cannot emote that's true she's incapable and like it's obvious that they've like they could she's even... like walker texas ranger like her cure, cure, tears can cure cancer but she's never cried no like you can tell like they tried to use the menthol stick on her and she's like my tear ducks they don't work <laughs> right and so they're like we're just gonna smear this vegetable oil on your cheek like go with it yeah yeah it's ridiculous yeah and actually it was the tweedles was actually the first time, i thought it, it you're, was you're right you're right but it happens here as well because that was the last thing that i wrote down <laughs> yeah was about her not crying yeah uh he explains the whole jabberwocky to her so that gets acted out great uh and humpty dumpty falls and is shattered uh so alice passes various king's horses and men uh fumbling around like idiots What's weird about that conversation is that it's something written in Victorian England that feels to me like a conversation somebody would have had during the Enlightenment in 17th century France. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? I'm like, why are we talking about this? Yeah. Nobody cares about the Jabberwock. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like the Roman Empire. 
Not to be confused with the Holy Roman Empire. Right. Which also doesn't exist. Anymore. Right. But did during the Enlightenment. Yeah, that's true. Uh, then Alice meets the White King. And this is one of... Like, this doesn't work. It doesn't make the movie any better. But I enjoyed the White King's performance. It was just so melancholy and sad. Mm-hmm. And, it, like, there was a clear choice being made in this performance. That's how I felt about those oyster puppets. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. they made a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he... Even though, like, it's like the character design for everybody is well thought out and executed. Yeah. But it feels like it was done by a robot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he is there. Uh, there's a messenger whose name begins with H. Uh, and so Kate Beckinsale does this whole little like, oh, I love him because he's H and I hate him because he's H and I feed him with H. Like the sort of thing, the sort of wordplay game that my parents would do to amuse me on car trips back before the internet existed. Yes. Um, and this is uh, the shadow of a rabbit is this messenger, which is, you know, I guess that's it. He is the shadow of a shadow <laughs> in a rabbit suit. <laughs> so she moves on to the next square, is accosted by a red knight who falls down. Oh, and I'm sorry. It's the white knight that I'm thinking of, not the white king. The white king is from As Time Goes I By. I thought it was odd sorry, that you sorry. liked that because no, no, no. He was the white knight fine, is played whatever. by Ian Holm. Yeah, Ian, since, yeah, yeah okay. Ian Holm is the one I like, not Alistair slash the other name. Slash Jeffrey. Right. Uh, so yeah, the white knight arrives and fights the red knight. Uh, both of them fall down a lot, but eventually the white knight wins. Uh, he has a box that he keeps upside down to keep the rain from getting in, but also all his things fell out of it. Uh, he falls off his horse every few seconds. That's his character. (laughs) Um, and he also invents things that are foolish. Uh, he, and then he's, his poem is about an aged, aged man who, like, he keeps, like, meeting and it's like, how do you make a living? And the aged, aged man is like, here's how. And then he's like, no, it's not. And he attempts to choke the aged, aged man. And then, I don't know. It's, I, I kind of stopped paying attention during that one. Honestly, that was about also where I could not pay attention anymore. Right. But I, I do like Ian Holmes just being so sad and wistful in his performance. I appreciated that. So there's there's a positive that He's I will probably just sad and wistful that he couldn't get out of his contract. That may be so, but he made it work for the role. <laughs> so he's like, okay, now you just got to cross this final brook and you'll be queen. So he heads off and she's about to cross the final brook, but then she hears some sadness. So she turns back and there's this like bee slash human, much like Steve Coogan earlier. It's actually earlier. a wasp and he was very angry at her for thinking that it was a bee. Well, that's fine. Uh, he is cold and also has a weird wig and that's, he has like a toothache. Um, and he's like mad at her because she has a small mouth, but his mouth is smaller than hers. Right. Well, in all of these like insect type characters, it's like, they'll show them as an actual insect and then they're a human. Right. And I'm like, this doesn't like actually help me. Right. Like I understand with like, their budgetary is restrictions, it, how is they it thought a, that would work. Is it a bug or is it a person dressed up as a bug? Right. And they, like, I don't understand if. It matters. Right. Agreed. Uh, he has a newspaper full of wasp doings. Um, and anyway, and again, this is the thing where she encounters this wasp, hangs out with him for a minute, and then is like, okay, bye. Mm-hmm. So why did she need to encounter this wasp? And this is, this, I did track down that this is, uh, apparently was in the original manuscript of Through the Looking Glass, but was taken out, but was restored for this adaptation. I hate it when people are like, oh, the author shouldn't have cut this gem. <laughs> right. 
Because he has a poem too, and it was the one poem that I didn't recall ever having heard mm-hmm. before, and that is apparently why. So, she finally crosses the brook, gets to the eighth square where she'll be queen, bounces off the floor of a bouncy house. That's just like a two-second shot, but I was like, oh, it's a bouncy house. Yeah. Uh, and then is like hanging out in swings with the red queen and the white queen. And Alice's crown appears to be some Christmas lights that aren't turned on. <laughs> like, I'm like, what's your deal? Yeah, yeah. Um, Have we talked about how her hair is different in every... It is. Like, it's and in pigtails was, and it's crimped sometimes. Right, and, and then like, there's different things in it. Sometimes there's, like, butterfly hairpins in it and other yeah. times different things. Such a terrible choice. Yeah. Again, I, I appreciate that they thought they were doing something with that, but... Uh, so the queens decide they have to give her an examination. And this is where, at this point, I, I also really like the white queen, but I couldn't tell to what extent I just like Isabel. I understand what you mean. Carrying that I forward. liked actually the way that the red and the white were playing off of each other. Yeah, that's true. I had just been through so much yeah. at this point that I was like, ugh. Yeah. No, I would say that probably this is, you know, one of the high points. It's definitely one of the strongest scenes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they, you know, like examine her and she can't pass any of their, you know, absurd, like, tests that they put on her. And then they both, like, get sleepy and sort of fall asleep on her shoulder. Uh, so she's like, uh, peace out, sleepy queens. And she gets to her, you know. Peace out, sleepy queens. <laughs> oh, what, what can, can it mean, mean to a wonderland? <laughs> her and a the promoted pawn queen. lucid dream. <laughs> there you go. I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. We already butchered one song. We did. And that's probably the last we'll butcher in this episode. Because we're getting to the end. Oh, Alice reaches... don't tempt me. <laughs> we'll keep it going. Alice reaches her castle. It's labeled as hers. Uh, and she, like, rings the bells. And there's some obstreperous servants. But she eventually goes in. And we again get one of these, like, quote-unquote scary little things. Where she's... There's, like, you know, fast zooms of hallways. And she's in the dark and things like that. But she ends up at this dinner table with all the... You know, yeah, because the queens were like, oh, we're invited to your dinner party. And right. Alice was like, I'm not even having a dinner party. And they were like, uh, yeah, you are. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and she is. And so all the guests are like immobile waxen figures until she gets there. And then they all come well, to and life. Well, it's all people from her weird travels. Right. Uh, and she is introduced to her mutton and her pudding and therefore not allowed to eat them because you can't eat somebody that you've been introduced to. Uh, Alice makes an announcement that she's heard a lot of poems and that they were all somehow about fishes, which was such a ridiculous thing to say that I kind of liked it. Okay. Um, and everybody's like, oh, that's weird. Uh, and they toast her and then there's like this whole montage and chaos. Well, and they blah, all, blah, 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 instead blah. of drinking their drink, threw their drink on their head. Yeah. And then it does devolve into chaos. And I'm just like, why? What? Come on. Yeah. Wake up. And she does. Great. That's what it results in is the daughter being like, wake up, mommy. I'm like, how long were you out? No, I know. And like, was your daughter just sitting there watching you? Like, yeah. she has problems. And why were you not concerned about your daughter at any point in this? Mm. And she does it. Well, she does explicitly identify her age at some point as seven and a half. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you're a grown up with a daughter. Like, stop saying that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so like, it's just like, oh, I'm awake now. Here, daughter, would you like Mr. Walrus? Uh, and she gives her a stuffed walrus. And there's like, she hears voices from the mirror. Uh, so she heads out of the daughter's room and the daughter picks up the book and like starts reading it under the covers. And you can see why the people involved thought this was meaningful or brought things together, but it doesn't. It really, really does. Yeah. So 
worst thing we've ever watched for this podcast? I feel like I didn't even hate it enough to be that interesting. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I look, here's my question, and I, answer either way. Would you rather right now watch Cinderella again or this again? This. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would rather watch this. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. I don't think it's any good. <laughs> right. But. Yeah. I mean, it did. Ha- okay. As you said, there were moments that were kind of interesting. Yeah. And Cinderella had zero interesting moments. Yeah. Agreed. Exactly. Exactly. Um. So, yeah. So, you know, not good. Not recommended. No stars. Yeah. But, like, watch this versus Cinderella. Right. You're not going to listen to us. <laughs> but that's what you should do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Mm-hmm. We'll be back with our sixth installment at the halfway point. That's right. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs luncheon out.